Inside the Adventure, episode 39 with Tom Mollier. If you've ever been afraid to step outside your comfort zone, then you're in the right place. Inside the Adventure features incredible athletes and everyday people sharing their epic stories of pushing life to its limits. Get ready to be inspired, face your fears, and take action with your host, Marshall Mosier. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Inside the Adventure. This is your host, Marshall Mosher, and today we're going to hear the story of how Tom Mollier left a career in corporate America to start an outdoor company called iTrackers, a fascinating story of how Tom strictly followed the life plan he had set out to create for his future, the story of how that plan dramatically changed, a revelation in Costa Rica, and the eventual founding of one of the most innovative outdoor startup companies in the Southeast called iTrekkers, who is changing the way we experience the world around us. Driven by Tom's passion for helping people access the outdoors, this story starts where these things often do in childhood. My uh, my story is kind of funky in the sense that uh, I'm actually born in France. Uh, I moved to the U.S. when I was one. Um, and so, you know, when my father camping uh, was always a big thing, uh, getting outside, getting away. Uh, and so my first actual camping memory is uh, in the North Georgia mountains. Uh, we were hiking uh, with one of his friends and one of their kids. And I think I was like four or five at the time. Um, and uh, true to my father's nature, we went off trail, uh, ended up hiking up the river. Uh, and we camped on a little mini sandbar, probably not the safest thing to do, uh, in the middle of the river. And it was just absolutely amazing, uh, the sound of the water kind of rushing by on both sides of the tents, uh, making our own fire pits, um, just having a, a truly amazing experience. That's kind of my first outdoor memory. How old uh, were you at that point? I, you know, I was four or five. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I was always an outdoor kid. I, I'd love to build forts. Uh, from a very young age, my my uh, my backyard uh, matched up with uh, my my good friend Doug Lee's backyard, uh, and so from the time that we were like one and a half, we were constantly playing outside the entire time. There was very very little in time spent indoors, um, you know, building forts and whatnot. But that but that truly is my first camping memory, uh, and it's probably one of the reasons why uh, river trails, river camping. Um, is probably my favorite outdoor experience to do um, is probably because of that memory. It seems like your father played a crucial role in introducing you to the outdoors. What was he like? Well, it, you know, my dad, uh, he's kind of a, a weird guy. Um, he liked to code for fun. He also played on the French uh, national hockey team, almost made it to the Olympics. Um, so he's, he always had that kind of very athletic background coupled with very computer heavy background. It's probably also where I get my love of games from. Um, but the, uh, the outdoors was always kind of a special time. It was a, for him, it was a getaway. Um, you know, just being able to escape, uh, is what he, he always, uh, wanted to do at that point. Um, and that's, and that's what drove that. Uh, so, you know, he, he introduced me to the outdoors, uh, very, very young. Uh, and that's been in me, you know, throughout, 
Um, you know, he kind of grew up on a farm in uh, Northern France, um, always outside, you know, all his brothers and sisters, they're always kind of roaming around. Uh, he had chickens when he was growing up, uh, you know, where he took care of chickens and would sell chickens at the, you know, to the local market and things like that. So, you know, he's, he's always had his hand in the outdoors and he, and he worked really hard to kind of instill that in me and, 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 and in my sisters. Given his professional background in sports with, uh, all of the, um, experience he had in hockey did did you ever do any sports growing up like hockey as well or something else uh yeah when i when i grew up my my sports were mostly uh soccer um and basketball Uh, i started playing hockey when i was 13 and i still do today and for me it's just a great way to release that negative energy that i have and uh come back a more positive person as i basically get to hit people uh for free and legally since you're down in Florida now, is hockey still a pretty popular sport there? I can imagine there's not too much ice laying around. Uh, believe it or not, you know, uh, being in Tampa Bay, we've got the Florida, you know, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning here, right? And uh, so, so we have a ton of ice rinks in for you know, in the Tampa Bay area. It's kind of crazy, more That's more crazy. so than uh, I had when I used to live in uh, Atlanta. So it seems like you really get the best of both worlds there. That's right. So to take it back to your high school and college days, did your father's influence in introducing you to the outdoors affect what you thought you wanted to do professionally? Um, yeah, yeah. So my dad instilled in me the love of the outdoors, but he also instilled in me the, the need to, to work hard. Um, you know, grow, growing up in high school, uh, I, I had just come back from living in France when I was 13 uh, to, to Atlanta. So as I was telling you, I was born in France, moved to the U.S., moved back to France when I was six, joined, joined the scouts there, um, which was pretty neat. Uh, and that kind of allowed me to get outdoors as well. Um, and then when, you know, in, in high school the, uh, at the Atlanta International School, we would go camping often. Uh, we would go hiking. Uh, we'd just get out. Uh, which is which is really neat, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I was always pushed to uh, work hard in school uh, in order to get a career. And uh, the outdoors never really figured into my career thoughts um, because I was always pushed down the uh, down the road of big business, go out and learn from someone else and make your mistakes on someone else's dime, and then eventually create your own company. Um, but truth be told, the out creating an outdoor focused and inspired company was never really in the cards uh, at that point in time. Uh, you know, I went to college at McGill University in Montreal, Canada, had access to the outdoors there. Uh, we would sneak down to Vermont where my buddy had some land. We would be camping there. Um, you know, it, it, so the outdoors personally in my, in my life has always played a huge role. Every year we try to do one, two or three big trips uh, into the outdoors. But at the time, you know, professionally, it, it never really came, came to mind. So what were you studying in college? I did an undergrad in, uh, so they call it a bachelor of commerce at McGill with double concentration in international business and marketing. How did you end up deciding you wanted to go to Canada to pursue that? Uh, I didn't really have a choice, uh, in the sense that, uh, I applied to a lot of different schools, BU, Georgia tech, et cetera, uh, from Atlanta. And I applied to McGill and when I got in, um, my dad and I kind of sat down he's like, well, Tom, you know, it's pretty simple. Um, you know, Georgia, Georgia tech or BU is, you know, 20 to $40,000 a year and McGill university is $2,000 a year. 
because uh, at the time McGill uh, or the state of Quebec, and I think they still have this, had to deal with the French government where French Canadians go study in France for the same cost as the French and the French could come study there for the same cost as or even better cost than uh, in-house or in-state students. So I'd never been to Montreal at that point. Um, you know, I, we traveled a little bit through Quebec, but I, I'd never really didn't know the city. Uh, didn't do a campus tour to make my decision. I, it was pretty much a, listen, you just got into the Harvard of Canada for uh, a fraction of what it would cost uh, in the States. Uh, so you're going there. I said, uh, yeah, that sounds great. So I got pretty to graduate, cool. you know, get, getting to graduate without debt was, is, is a pretty significant thing uh, while, while still getting an amazing ed, uh, education. After your time in Quebec, what was your first job outside of college? First job after college, I, I applied uh, pretty much to every large major company in the U.S., uh, from L'Oreal, Coca-Cola, and Georgia Pacific. And I eventually got a job as a deduction analyst uh, entry-level position with Georgia Pacific in Atlanta, um, where I worked on the Dixie Food Service side of things. And, uh, you know, sitting at a desk all day long, cr- crunching numbers. It was, it was definitely not fun. But it seems like that was always the dream, to go work for a big company, right? Yeah, it, it, less so dream than I would say plan. Right. Uh, my, my, my life was always very planned out. You know, you're going to do this. You're going to go to school. You're going to graduate. You're going to go to a good school. You're then going to go into, uh, your first uh, job in a large company. You're going to climb up the ranks. You're going to learn from them. You might go to a second one or after that you'll come work in the family business where my dad was current at the time doing, uh, uh, industrial bakery, uh, based out of Atlanta. Uh, so, you know, my, my, my life had always been very, very planned. Um, and that's, was the plan. So, so I followed it. In looking back on that plan, was there anything you would have changed knowing what you know now, maybe any adverse effects that were a result of following that plan? Uh, yeah. In hindsight, there were a lot of adverse effects. So I would have much rather enjoyed more of my high school years. Um, I did a good job of, of, of enjoying college. Uh, but you know, I graduated early uh, three, three and a half years, immediately shipped off to work. Uh, I would have definitely liked to have taken some time for myself and, and, and really tried to understand what I wanted to do for me personally, um, instead of kind of following this plan. Uh, I then at the time also got married to my high kind of high school sweetheart. Um, that was also part of the plan, part of her plan as well. You know, Oh, we've been together for so long. Uh, and then, you know, Three years in Georgia Pacific, the plan kind of all unraveled. I was in the process of getting divorced. Um, I was leaving my job at Georgia Pacific for for my father's company. I wasn't happy there when I realized that this wasn't for me. It was his thing, not my thing. Um, So I did a lot of that exploratory thought process later in life than I would have liked. What was that like going from having such a structured plan to realizing that you didn't want to follow the plan anymore. It was scary. Um, it took me a long time to, to be honest with myself about my feelings. Uh, you know, it, it, anytime there's change, change is scary. I always said, oh, I do great with change. Uh, well, I don't. Um, so change is scary. Lack of direction, not knowing what to do was scary. But that's when, you know, I learned a lot. Um, you know, I, I, I got through my divorce pretty easily. Uh, I met my current wife, uh, 
beautiful woman, uh, very, very intelligent, much smarter than me. Uh, and we decided to quit our jobs and move to Costa Rica. And so that was the kind of the first break in the plan, if you will. Um, we moved to Costa Rica and we lived in Haco beach for, for about two years. And I was doing real estate down there. It was kind of like the wild west and just being able to get away and kind of try to recenter myself and figure out what, what I, I wanted to do for me. Um, and that was kind of the start of my, of my new journey. I'm sure that was a huge step for you. What gave you the courage to say, look, we're going to move to Costa Rica. We're going to try something new and we're going to make this work. The fact that I never had the courage to do it before. So having always been part of the plan, realizing that that was the problem, that I wasn't being truthful to myself, is what gave me the courage to do something that I never would have thought myself capable of doing. What was it like to finally realize that and to be in Costa Rica? It was liberating. Um, it was definitely liberating. But at the time, you know, I, I, was, still, I was still struggling mentally with, with what I really wanted to do. Um, so while it was a good getaway, you know, my journey, it's taken a long time for me to get to where I am today. And still today, you know, I struggle with my demons. Uh, did I make the right choice? You know, in Costa Rica, I made a couple of bad decisions. Now we have four condos on the beach down there. <laughs> um, you know, it's great on vacation, but it sure is a pain. Um, the journey of learning that has gotten me to where I am today, uh, you know, with, with eye trackers, uh, this company focused on helping get people outdoors and, 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 and you know, inspiring the, inspiring the new generations to, to the love of nature. To, to get the opportunity that I had with my father today. Um, it's been a long journey, but it's been a great one. To talk more about iTrekkers, did Costa Rica play a large role in inspiring you to create your company? Costa Rica definitely played a part. Uh, but before I moved down there, I'd visited it uh, twice. And um, when one day we were out on a charter boat uh, going after sailfish, and we saw something that was the most magical thing we'd ever seen in, you know, in my life. We, uh, the charter captain, who's actually an, uh, an American expat who'd been down there for 20, 25 years do, uh, doing this, um, we found ourselves within a pod of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dolphins, jumping, flipping, just absolutely insanity. For as far as the eye could see, 360 degrees, we were surrounded by dolphins. Uh, and this is while, I, you know, we caught two sailfish, you know, obviously it's like, Ooh, awesome. Um, but I was like, wow, what an amazing experience. What a fundamentally changing experience for me. Um, and that's kind of where my love of fishing kind of started. Uh, you know, although I, I, I lived on a lake in Atlanta when I was young as well and, and, and fished there, but, uh, this was kind of like the, like the big one, you know, um, and that kind of got the idea going about how amazing and wonderful these experiences can be with guides. And then uh, fast forward a couple of years, I'm in Costa Rica, I'm spearfishing on my lunch break, I'm catching waves, I'm constantly outdoors, surrounded by jungle, surrounded by nature, and just completely in awe of the magnificence of it. Um, and, and, and when I was in Atlanta before Costa Rica, I, I wasn't getting outdoors as much. And so this kind of reaffirmed my personal love for the outdoors. And then later on, my, my, my brother-in-law's bachelor party, um, trying to find a guide was really, really difficult. Um, didn't know who was who, uh, who's lying, who's not lying on the internet. 
And we eventually picked a guide who could take us all out. And it was a terrible experience. The boat wasn't as advertised. The guide was terrible. Uh, we weren't catching anything. But even had we been catching any, you know, fish, uh, just the attitude of the guide was just was just horrible. Um, and it was just a really terrible experience. And, 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 and that right there had played itself so many times in my life where I had a great experience with a guide, be it a professional guide or a friend who knew what he was doing. Or I'd had a, a terrible experience with a guide or a friend. Uh, so this kind of good versus this great versus bad kept playing itself out. And I was like, why isn't there a, a much simpler way um, to find someone to help take me outdoors and show me what it's really like? Uh, and Marshall, you know this with 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 your company, Vestigo. You know, an adventure taken with a guide will be ten times better than an adventure taken without one if you have no idea what you're doing. Um, and so most people, they have no idea what they're doing. And so that, that was the impetus for, for the creation of iTrekkers was like, let's create something that will provide a trusted resource for people to get outdoors and let's help them do that. And obviously we've, we've evolved throughout that time. Uh, first, our first website was heinous and, and absolutely terrible. And we were giving people options of which fish they wanted to catch. And it was so detailed and technical and that I realized, you know, I'm making this for for seasoned fishermen, and I'm and 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 this is not this is not what we're about. You know, we're about helping a a mom and her and her son get outside. We're about helping, um, you know, a, a group of friends get outdoors or a corporation get outside and 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 experience the love and for for the nature around them. And and maybe we can change the world one person at a time, one memory at a time. Every great memory outdoors has a, a a meaningful impact not you know on 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 your psych you know your psychological health your physical health uh, and and that's why we're doing what we're trying to do today what was it like in the early days of getting iTrekkers started did you have to leave your full-time job and dedicate 100% of your time to iTrekkers or were you balancing that with something else so i got lucky in the sense that um, i had i was working for capital 1 a great company uh, in Richmond, Virginia, after Costa Rica, and I moved to Tampa to to basically run a call center. And my focus on the call center was to help bring the greater customer experience to our customers. Um, and and I got laid off after about a year uh, because we, you know, they had bought another company and that was over budget, and I was kind of like the last in and first out. And, and to be honest, I was a terrible operator of a call center, but I was an amazing operator when it came to customer experience. Helping our agents drive a better customer experience was what I was good at. Um, but I was terrible at actually running call center metrics and whatnot. <laughs> and they let me go and they wanted me to go back to Richmond. And I said, no, I, I just moved down here with two young kids and, and my wife and I'm not going to move again. And so they, I, they gave me a B, you know, they gave me a BS job uh, for six months to, to basically pay me even more than my severance to, because they felt bad. And that right there was the spark. It's like, what do I really want to do? And I had this idea in the back of my head for a very long time that I talked to people about. Um, and I finally had the spark to do it. Um, because, you know, I had a, kind of a little umbrella above me of some extra salary as well as some severance. And I started working on the business plan and um, figuring out, okay, this is, 
you know, I want to help bring the outdoors to the masses. And how do we do that? And, and how do I create this, this brand that is trusted and removes all the reasons why people don't get outside and facilitate that? With your background and experience being in the corporate world, what was it like for you to make that shift into a new startup? Marshall was incredibly difficult. <laughs> it's still difficult. Um, it never stops getting difficult, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every day it's a new challenge and it's a new opportunity. So, What was it like when you finally dove into the weeds and realized that starting a company is a whole different game with a different skill set and different focuses? Scary as well as, as exciting. So at Capital One, I was surrounded by brilliant people, brilliant individuals constantly. Um, but we were slowed down due to the bureaucracy and I was frustrated at our inability to move quickly. The startup world is one in which you move very, very quickly, make decisions on the fly that you think are the right decisions based on the very little data you have available. At Capital One, I had access to more data than you could possibly imagine on any single person and anything, single thing. So going from having an arsenal of weapons and not being able to really move the monster to having no weapons and being able to completely do anything that I wanted was scary yet very, very exciting. Um, and, and we made a lot of mistakes. You know, My first platform was a complete disaster because I didn't understand the customer I was going after, I understood the customer that I looked like without really realizing that that wasn't actually the customer. I'm not the customer of iTrekkers. I am someone who's already participating. I am someone who's already moving forward, who's already booking trips. I can use iTrekkers um, uh, in different cities if I needed to. That, that's why I would use myself or that's why I would use your service. But the people that I was really going after have no idea. And so, you know, we, 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 I lost my entire seed investment uh, in uh, creating a platform. Uh, I, I didn't know enough about technology that uh, the partners that I was going after uh, weren't what they seemed to be to me. Um, and so I learned a lot. You know, I learned who to work with, who not to work with. Um, still making mistakes about that today, but, you know, that's, that's, that's life. I know that a lot of startups go through a very similar situation, and it must be incredibly frustrating to realize that the product you built wasn't the product you needed. How did you shift focus to what you're currently doing today? I realized very quickly that the type of people who were booking charters with us, because in the beginning we were only fishing today, you know, we're fishing, camping, hiking, and paddle across the state of Florida. But I realized very, very quickly that the people that were booking these trips were all very technically inclined. So they knew what they were looking for and, 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 and they had specific questions, me, questions that even I couldn't answer. Um, and so that, that's when I realized that I was not doing what I set out to do. And we had to scrap the whole platform. So we launched in December of 2014 and scrapped the whole thing uh, in February and relaunched in April of uh, 15. After realizing that you had to make such a drastic change, how did you rally the team and your investors around the new idea to encourage everyone to make the change? Well, at the time, uh, I, I, I was bootstrapping this. So uh, the investor to convince was myself, um, but I wasn't ready to give up. 
Um, and so I felt like we learned a lot and, uh, we were going to change the way we, 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 we did things. Um, and I was going to, you know, get new, better partners to help me to the next level. Um, and I was going to, you know, move this forward. I had a clear vision in mind of what I was looking to create based on feedback from the potential customers that we wanted. Um, and we moved forward. And so, you know, but it's, it's, it's like anything else. It's always an iterative process. It's always, you know, two steps forward, one step back, two step forwards, one step back. As you continuously learn, pivot, move, and, and, and understand, you know, um, Henry Mintzberg, who was an old uh, McGill professor, uh, talked about emerging strategy. Um, his, his main point was the following. You want to have a vision point that is grand enough into the future without handcuffing you to the strategy you take to get there. And so the whole point is it's okay to continuously move in various directions on different paths as you're trying to get to that one point. So if you think about the Appalachian Trail, right, if you want to through-hike the entire thing, well, it's pretty simple. There's a beginning point and an end point. But do you really have to hike on the designated path? Can you hike on other paths? Can you go sideways and, 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 and visit new areas and go by a, a mountain that may not be on the path? And, and, and that's the whole point of emerging strategy, which is something that I truly believe in, is we have where we're going after. That is clear. But the milestones it takes to get there will change. The directions will change. Where, I mean, we are in the middle of a massive marketing pivot as we speak. And that's in order to get to where we need to go. I love that mindset of being able to be flexible and being open to change and reaching your final goal. But it definitely seems like that really only works if you have a very strong vision that you're always striving to reach. What is that vision for iTrackers? Our mission is threefold. Get people outdoors with iTrackers, help get people outdoors, and educate about the outdoors. All of those three things fit into the overarching vision of the company, which is to help make memories. You know, my grandfather had access to 100% more raw nature than my father did. And my father had access to 100% more raw nature than I did. What's going to happen with my kids and my kids' kids as the future generations move on? Unless we all realize the benefits, the value of the outdoors. My big fear is that more and more today, we spend less and less time outdoors, yet our yearning for the outdoors is growing. We know that through all the research that we have available to us. People want to get outdoors. They don't know how. They don't have time. And so they don't. And because they're not, they're not understanding the benefits of what it brings. And when legislation or rules or development or all types of things start encroaching more and more across the world on the raw nature that is left, our precious resource is disappearing. The thing that created us, that made us man, is disappearing. And so every single memory that we can help implant 
in someone's young brain, old brain, it doesn't matter who it is, that is a fantastic memory about being outdoors. It's just one more person who might think twice about throwing a piece of trash on the ground or picking up uh, trash that they walk by on the street. Um, or, you know, maybe they think twice about that legislation that is going to, you know, block access to public lands. And, you know, it's really about the mind shift. And, and by no means am I a tree hugger or anything like that. Like I truly believe in the, in, 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 in moving forward, um, the outdoor world along with the conservation world, along with the business world. I believe there's a place for all of us to excel altogether. Uh, but at the rate that we're going today, I don't know what's going to be left in 50 years. And that's, and that scares me. And every memory that we can make is one step forward in making more available to us all in the future. I often get the sense, and I'm sure you do as well, that many true outdoor enthusiasts view technology at odds with the outdoors as a bit of a threat in some ways. How do you see technology as an empowering tool to actually help increase the amount of people who can access the outdoors? It's really funny you say that because, you know, we are a technological solution to getting people off their technology. Right. <laughs> right. That's you know, so funny. Uh, it works exactly. Yeah, get outdoors, get unplugged. But the reality is, you know, technology's te technology to me is the outdoors' greatest weapon in this entire fight. Um, we, you know, Vestigo, Eye Trekkers, and all these different companies that have realized that technology is the way to provide access. You know, there's no stopping you know, smartphones and, and, and tablets and, and the path that we're going. There's no way. I mean, you know, with AI, the way it's, it's moving at, at such fast speeds, it's harnessing the power of technology and the fact that we're, we are in everyone's fingertips. That's going to allow us to spread the word even faster. Right? Technology will open up the access to the outdoors. You know, if I, if I, if I was running Parks and Recreation, I would literally go tomorrow, hire Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, uh, the guys from Google to, to create the sleekest, the most amazing app and reservation system for all of their parks and bring everything under one roof, you know, making the, uh, making access the easiest you possibly can. Um, we're trying to do that by providing access to awesome guides to help get you outside. Um, but there's so much more that, that, that can be done. You know, it, people want to see cool videos of what's happening outdoors. Well, let's, let's give them a cool video and then tell them how easy it is for them to do it themselves. You know, knowledge is power. And today, especially the millennial, the millennial generation and, and, you know, we, we all lack knowledge about the outdoors. Um, you have your favorite spot, Marshall, to, to go camping or hiking. I have my favorite spot. And other people have their favorite spots. Well, how do we empower those who have no favorite spots to learn about those favorite spots? You know, it's through technology. So our path forward in our mission is we're going to utilize technology and we're going to partner with others who utilize technology to help bring awareness of what's possible to those who just don't know. They know innately that they want to do it. 
We just need to help them get over the hurdles as to why they're not. Tom, you have an incredible story that's very inspiring in many ways. What advice would you give to someone who's listening to this, who wants to follow a similar path of combining their passions with their professions in a really unique way, similar to what you've done? Um, yeah, that you know, that's a great question. I think <laughs> one of the great things about the plan that I was on is that I, I got to learn a lot on other people's dime. So I say, first off, if there's something that you want to do, um, go, go learn from someone else. So I would have loved to have worked for Burton snowboards, or I would have loved to have gone worked for REI or a company where I could pursue working within my field of passion while learning from someone else. It's only then by understanding the gaps, uh, that, that exist that you can then formulate a, an amazing idea or an amazing solution. Um, so step one is go learn somewhere else, but within your passion area. Uh, you know, I learned about f- plastic forks and knives that that didn't help me much, uh, apart from uh, the uh, the accounting aspect of things. But um, so that's that's step one. And then step two is talk, talk your idea over with as many people as you possibly can. You know, people who have been successful in the world of business, they they want to share. They kind of feel somewhat guilty that they're doing so well and others aren't and use that, you know, they ask for a a cup of coffee, ask for a 15 minute phone call, come prepared with your questions. Um, but work through your idea, uh, and spend a lot of time doing that. And once you have the best possible idea that you have, go for it with the complete knowledge and understanding that it's, you're going to be wrong most likely and you're going to have to start all over probably 10 times until you get it right. And that's okay. Failure is definitely okay. Because if you don't fail, you don't learn. Um, you know, I'd say in a nutshell, that's, that, that's my, my advice. Don't, don't let the fear stop you and don't let the failure disappoint you. Know that what you're going to be trying to do is going to be very difficult but that if you don't do it one day in your bed at 85 or 95 or whenever, you're going to regret it when you look back on your life. Through all you've done with iTrekkers and beyond, what do you want your legacy to be? You know, I, I really don't care about legacy. So I don't care if, if, if nobody knows that I started iTrekkers one day, as long as iTrekkers is this a uh, company that is driving its mission and creating memories for more and more people across the world. Um, you know, who, 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 who knows what I, where iTrekkers is in, in six months or a year? Uh, my goal is to keep this ship afloat and keep us moving. Um, one day, someone else will most likely take over if my ability to run this company, you know, comes to a halt. And I'm okay with that. Uh, as long as what we're doing is spreading the love of the outdoors to those don't know its benefits yet, uh, and doing that across the world. Um, at the end of the day, that's really what matters. And so I would rather a hundred years from now, people think about iTrekkers as a company that's spreading the love of the outdoors by creating memories, uh, than anyone knowing my name. Well, I know that there's a ton of people out there whose lives have been changed by the experiences they've gone on with iTrekkers and 
that uh, I think that's a legacy in itself. Uh, and they, uh, it's hard to see that on the, uh, on the back end, but uh, I know it makes a big difference. So thanks so much for sharing your story with us today, Tom. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I can't wait to see what iTrekkers becomes in the future. Thanks so much, Marshall. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time today. Thanks for listening to another episode of Inside the Adventure. This is your host, Marshall Mosher, and that was the story of Tom Mollier, the founder of iTrackers.com, who, if you're thinking to yourself, man, Tom seems like a really inspiring guy, it's because, well, he really is. Tom was one of the mentors that helps me to pursue the same passion for inspiring people to live a more active and healthy lifestyle through outdoor recreation and is a really incredible inspiration that I'm sure has helped hundreds of other people like myself to follow their dreams and pursue their passions. And Tom, if you're listening to this right now, I'd say that's a pretty darn good legacy. If you or someone you know has your own adventure story and would like to be featured on the show, you can contact us by visiting vestigo.co slash podcast. While on our website, you can also listen to our past episodes and subscribe to the show. Remember, your next adventure is right around the corner. The only thing stopping you is you. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week on Inside the Adventure.